Man, KD has his introductory press conference and the GP2 trade saga was a little weird. And we got our first look at traded players in their new teams. I'm Rosa Panta, this is Clinic, all NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Hey, feeling good, feeling great. Wanted to give a special shout out. Happy belated Valentine's to our clinic lovers. Oh, yeah. Happy belated Valentine's Day. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I'm good, man. Coming down from that Super Bowl high and hoping the uh, Clippers can actually pull it together now, too, and maybe give me the double dip this year. I know, dude. Congratulations. I'm sure you're feeling just way better than 100%, 110%. But anyway, we have some basketball news here. We got to talk about our first looks at post- trade deadline teams and the first one i want to talk about is actually the los angeles lakers who got d'angelo russell jared vanderbilt malik beasley mo bamba devon reed and they had a game against the orleans pelicans they won they won this game 120 to 102 um the pelicans did not have zion williamson though and i just want to ask you guys how do you guys like the new look los angeles lakers man I kind of wish John was here to to hear this. I know, we're they missing look, the homie. They look good. It's weird. I haven't said that in what feels like, what, since the bubble season, but they've got spacing. They've got shooting. They've yeah. got defense. Anthony Davis for one game looked motivated, though apparently <laughs> LeBron is telling him to go shopping in Dallas. I mean, Shots fired. <laughs> they, they look... Are they like a top three contender? Probably not. But if they took out anybody mm. in the first round, if if this keeps up and this is the version that we see, I would not be remotely surprised by it. Very impressed. I Props where it's due, man. The, this team seems to fit together and they've got some depth now too. I feel like they legitimately have, you could call it eight, eight guys that they could run out there, eight man rotation in the playoffs that are legit players that I feel comfortable running. So props to them, man. They look good. JJ, what did you think? The pickup, Sammy, like Vanderbilt, he looked good. He could guard basically one through four. Yeah, Malik Beasley, who came up in the mix, um, played well. And D'Angelo Russell playing with swag again. I don't think at when he was in Minnesota, you saw that swag, like what he had when he was playing with his dudes in LA. But it looks like the Lakers are having fun. And you could tell that they're playing with it with joy, which they didn't have with Russ. So I'm really interested to see if they could actually make a strong push. I've always said this and I'll keep saying it with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I don't think you have an excuse to not make the playoffs. So we'll see with these upgrades, including with Rui, if they could make a strong push to at least dare I say, make the six seed or above? Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about what their ceiling was as far as like where they were predicted, predicted to be seated before the trade deadline and now. I'm going to start with you, Sammy. What do you think? So pre-deadline playing at best, I think was universally thought for the reasons we talked about. They were too top heavy. Russ didn't seem to fit there. And it felt like LeBron and Davis were going to play too many minutes. And you look at this team now. Just one other thing I want to note. It's one game, obviously. We don't know if this is going to be the same, but nobody played more than 30 minutes. So that's going to help yeah. them at the end of the year. 
Now, that being said, with the way this team fits, I want to throw one other thing at you guys. Here's some of the upcoming schedule after the next like three weeks is kind of tough. After that, I see a whole lot of Houston, Chicago, Utah, Orlando, teams like that. And then potentially at the end of the year, a resting Clippers team, most likely because we load manage every other day. And exactly. And a what will likely be a resting Phoenix team also. The schedule's in their favor. It seems like these guys might mesh together quickly. I don't, I mean, I might be too high on them. I think this team finishes in the top six. Ooh, top six. JJ, what do you think? Uh, it's hard for me to say because they're a few games back of even 500, Sammy. So they got to even catch up. We're going to have about 26 games after the All-Star break. And that's when everybody is going to start playing hard, including the West, which it looks pretty, it looks too tight right now. But the Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, and Suns, guess what the NBA did? Scheduled them for all primetime games against top-seeded teams because that's the that's what they want to see. So do the Lakers make a top six? I know I just said that they they will. I'll say that the highest is the eighth seed right now. Okay. June, what do you think? Man, what I really like the way this team is constructed now. Like, it's so it's so good. Like with D'Lo and also like AD, I know he doesn't like playing the five and right now he's starting at the five, but eventually I want to, I almost want to say that Mo Bamba might sneak in at the five and they might play AD at the four a little bit, which is more of his like natural playing style is playing the four. So I really like this team. I, I don't know. So beforehand, I thought they could have been out of the playoffs and playing completely beforehand but now i'm thinking six seed that's where i'm going with this all right let me ask you something really really quick follow-up because i was just looking at i want to see where you both end on this we both have them top six top six right now is nuggets grizzlies kings clippers suns mavericks golden Mm. state is outside the top six who drops out for the lakers to get in oh man and a really really quick follow-up because i know we got to move to next topic does Golden State finish in the top six? For me... Because oh, that two have to fall out. For me, for the top six, I don't know if I'm a believer of the Mavericks. I don't know if I'm a believer of the new look Mavericks with Kyrie and Luka Doncic. Oh, I'm with you on that. I think they've started together twice so far, right? I, I actually don't have these guys on, on, the, on the, um, the outline here, but let's talk about them anyway. Um, they've dropped three I just in don't a row. Like, I don't like the fit between them two, especially in crunch time. It doesn't seem like they knew who the ball should go to. They were just passing it back and forth, just waiting for the other person to make a move. So I'm going to say the Mavericks drop out and end up in the play-in. JJ, what do you think? Ooh, well, with the list that Sammy gave, I don't know if the Lakers could pass any of those teams, not even the Mavericks or Pelicans. Maybe the Timberwolves, but that would still sit them at the 8th or ninth seed. And to answer right. your question, Sammy, I think the Warriors at the highest could make it 8th seed, man. Unfortunately. Really? So you don't think they're going to? Okay. So oh, if man. you don't think the Warriors are going to get into the 6th, I, I agree with you completely, June. I don't like the, the Kyrie-Luka fit. 
it reminds me a little of the first year of the LeBron Dwayne Wade your turn my turn yep with yep and this is no disrespect to Luca but LeBron and Wade at that point is better than Luca and Kyrie now and that's mostly more on Kyrie I don't think that's a, a hot take by any means but that version of your turn my turn it doesn't work well like it, there's no mesh it's like you're saying it's like do you get to shoot now or do i get to shoot now and there's not and in addition to that both of those guys are not plus defenders by any means so i yes. think they finish in the play-in it took um, time for them to mesh yeah and and they played defense and had more I would say athleticism to make it up. And they were together from the beginning of the regular season. They did not come together at the deadline and have 20 games to figure it out. I don't like the fit at all in that way. Now, that being said, because of the Lakers schedule, I actually think they can pass up everybody else, depending on if the Warriors get healthy. So I think they could end up slotting in the six. Um, Just for our listeners knowledge right now, just to kind of put a bow on this. Right now, there is still from the three seed down to the Lakers. It's still only yeah. a six-game separation. So we're talking three all the way to 13. So we've only literally gotten separation by Denver and by San Antonio and Houston going in the exact opposite direction. The rest of it is still completely <laughs> just stuck in the middle there. So a lot of time for the Lakers to actually make a pretty big climb. So I guess we'll see what happens. We will definitely see what happens. The next team we're going to talk about is actually your new look Brooklyn Nets with Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, etc. Their starting five goes like this. Dinwiddie, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nicholas Claxton. They actually defeated the, the Heat. 116 to 105. The Heat did not have Hero, Lowry, or Oladipo playing, but they were still able to win this game. I want to ask you guys, how do you guys like the new look Heat? Or sorry, the new look Nets? They look great. They look like 2019 Nets when they were having fun with D'Lo. And Bridges is going off. Who would have thought, right? Like Bridges has scored 40. He's a great two-way player. He's animated. He's having fun. They're smiling. I like it, Sammy. I'm with you. And, you know, there, there's a great irony. I think we as NBA fans, I don't want to generalize for all of us, but we really like the scrappy teams, play together, no egos, that those teams always tend to finish, what, 6, 7, 8 seed, right? And then what's the next move is always to add stars. And then when they add stars, it either completely blows up or we just get tired of them. And now the Nets have reverted, and I think everyone's going to kind of like them again. Because their lineup is just, it's fun. On the surface, there's no big egos. I I like what I see too. I will tell you, you know the interesting thing that seems to have happened is Ben Simmons is the only one there and they cut his minutes back. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Oh my God. The first game with a fully healthy lineup, they went to 16 minutes for him. The next game they went to 20. He's off the bench now. He is not starting on this team. And there are already rumors that they're going to try to just unload him in the offseason. Did you hear what uh, 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 Jacques Vaughn said about Ben Simmons? When, I believe uh, so. Please rehash. Basically, they asked Jacques Vaughn, like, is Ben Simmons' production hurting right now because he's not playing alongside a superstar? And he says, well, Ben Simmons is a hard case because if you play him with a big, then you basically clog up the middle. You. If you play him with a small, then you lose size and rebounding. 
you if you play him basically he gave every single scenario in which <laughs> you could put like play like put ben simmons next to somebody else and he said that there's a problem with it every single time and that's actually completely accurate because mm -hmm. i don't know what ben simmons is anymore this guy was like a multi-time all-star he was first team defense and now he's just completely fallen off a cliff i don't even know what they do with him anymore but besides that the nets look a lot of fun right they look like a lot of fun um so ceiling before this is an interesting one ceiling before the trade and ceiling after the trade what do you guys think i'm gonna start with jj Ooh. so before the trade the nets were obviously rolling Durant gets injured, Kyrie requests for a trade, then Durant requests a trade. Everyone's thinking, well, there goes their chances. But the Nets are actually sitting at the fifth seed. And I think they could actually maintain it just because of how the East is more top heavy more than anything. If they could just sustain, I think they could at the very best be at the seventh seed. Maybe even six. Ooh. Um, Sammy. I, I agree. So what you said about the East is very accurate. So if you look at the East, it's it's a little different from the from the West and how it's jumbled like we talked about. Basically, the East is essentially seven teams. It goes after the big ones that we know about, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, Cleveland. Then it's the two New York teams and the Heat are kind of in their own little tier there. And then it drops to Atlanta, who I think we can all agree is not a serious contender as currently constructed. So the question then becomes, can Brooklyn stay above one of New York or Miami? I still have no idea what to make of Miami. So I think you're right. I think at worst seven, you kind of almost have to have faith in Miami to get it together, but I feel like Brooklyn's actually going to be so strong defensively that they're going to pull out some wins that they shouldn't, or that on paper it looks like they shouldn't. I think they're going to hold, and one of the other two teams is going to drop below them uh, for the overall season outlook. I know they're above both right now. So I think they're going to stay in, but when you get to the playoffs is when the stars shine, and they're going to they're gonna be outclassed, and they're going to be like that team that puts up a scrappy series but they're probably not going to have a realistic shot of getting out of round one is my own opinion. Before the trade, if you have one of the top three players in the league, your ceiling at minimum is conference finals if all goes well. So their ceiling did drop, but their roster construction, weirdly enough, seems a lot better to me. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I'm, I'm going right where they are, fifth or sixth seed. That's what I think. Um, but we're going to take Pretty it to our next team here, the Los Angeles Clippers, Sammy's Clippers, who got Bones Highland, Mason Plumley, Eric Gordon. They defeated the Warriors recently. I think they're playing right now as well against the Suns. Uh, they just closed them out. They won by 10. They won by 10. They just beat the Suns. And they defeated the Warriors 124 to 134. Do you know the Suns, the Suns score by any chance, Sammy? Oh, uh, I believe 116 to 107, I want to say. So what do you guys think of the new look Clippers now? I'll start off right now. Sammy, I don't know what happened with Highland at Denver, but I thought that was a great pickup. You say that last week. You got Plumlee who just eats it in the middle. He could grab you boards, get you easy points down low. And Eric Gordon, man, is a vet that you kind of need with the Clippers. Your team is so stacked 
you're you're actually showing signs of your greatness that the whole world, the basketball world, has been wanting to see within the past few years. And dare I say it, like, I hope for your sake that they could get on a roll, man, because we've been waiting for it. The stats, the analytics tell us that it's about to happen, but it never does just because someone gets injured, load management, or you just don't have a point guard. So <laughs> it looks like <laughs> now it's about to come into place and you might have your chance of getting momentum in the playoffs. I don't know. What do you think? Well, let's talk about the point guard-sized elephant in the room. Um, (laughs) So there's been rumors about this for a while, but it came from Shams. So apparently the Clippers are talking to Westbrook. I'm not trying to hate on the dude, but he has not contributed to a winning environment in a while. I know that they don't have a traditional point guard right now, but... I, watching the first two games, I've, I've really liked the the roster construction. Gordon, you know, he's always been a little undersized as a guard, but he fills a very specific role on the team that I almost didn't know they needed. Um, I like how they're using Highland. They've been putting him in about 15 minutes a game. When they let him get in, they let him get his shots, get his. He's not necessarily, like, super complimentary in that regard. Plumlee's playing about 15 to 20 behind Zoo, which is what we've needed all year. And what I really like, they weren't able to do it today because, once again, the Powell missed a game because we never have the whole roster together for a game. But the opening game that they played against the Warriors, they put out a closing five that I loved. It was Zoo, Kawhi, PG, Norman Powell, and Gordon. You have four guys that can shoot. Kawhi is a great rebounder for his size, as is Zoo, obviously. Yeah. All of those guys, Powell maybe hit or miss, but all those guys could defend. This just super fluid lineup. It could shoot. They had some shot creation between all these guys. They could defend. We didn't have that kind of closing lineup before. And I really liked what I saw to that group. I'm hoping that that becomes a consistent lineup. If they want to go small and pass less, they could bring in Marcus Morris, you know, if you want to go that route and have him play the five. But uh, overall, then I think the... We'll see if the point guard issue comes back to bite them. Outside of that, there's depth everywhere. The only question you're going to have now is you're looking at Batum, Covington, some of these other guys. Are they going to be comfortable in these roles where there's going to be nights where they don't play? And as long, I think Batum will be okay with that. There's been rumblings about Covington. But outside of that, I, I'm happy with what I'm seeing. So no offense to Russ, man. I just don't think he fits the group, but clearly they're talking to him, so they think differently. June, what, do, what did you think? <laughs> you are a hater. Man, they, they basically got insurance for all of the question marks I had. Basically, Zubak, like, going to Mason Pumley, there's, like, no drop-off. So when one's off of the floor and one's on the floor, like, you could basically... There's, like, no drop-off whatsoever. Also, with Norm Powell, like, his health... His health is a big thing. And now you have Eric Gordon. And they basically play the same style. So you don't have anyone dropping off when you have PG and Kawhi on the floor. Like, it's so consistent. And I felt that during the Warriors game. I was like, when does this team just stop rolling? And it just felt like the onslaught just kept coming and coming. And honestly, my ceiling for the Clippers now, I want to say I think they could jump 
maybe over the Kings and get into that fourth seed where the Kings go slide all the way down to the fifth seed. Just because I'm not a, a huge Kings believer, just because their defense isn't so great. I know they're the number one offense. I feel like defense is what really matters when it comes down uh, down the stretch. What do you guys think? Oh, Sammy, I'm, I'm worried about your guys' health. That's the only thing. So, I will say this. Kawhi, since he came back, actually looks like Kawhi. He, he had a terrible game tonight, but that's just going to happen on your shot every once in a while. They intentionally scaled back the minutes of the of PG and Kawhi. But when I say scaled back, they're still playing 30 a game. It turned out they were playing like 38 to 40 minutes a game for about a month. So they scaled it back. Knock on wood, I really hope I don't regret what I'm about to say. I'm not as worried about their health right now because they look like themselves. And it feels like they're not trying to overdo it now that they're cut. If they're cutting them to 30 minutes in the regular season, I'm all for that. I think that's fine. It almost feels like this team is overly cautious sometimes. I would like to see after the All-Star break them play with what they think the rotation is going to be going forward. And that way they have time to play together, mesh together, that kind of thing. Um, Ceiling-wise, I think they can, I, I definitely think they can pass Sacramento. I don't know if there's enough time to get any higher than that. But with the Clippers home road splits the last few years, I don't think home field or home field, excuse me, home court matters to them that much. They just got to be healthy entering the playoffs. So pound for pound talent level, I think they could theoretically play with almost anybody, depending on the point guard issue, depending also on Phoenix. We don't know what we're going to see with them at full health. That's the to me, that's the big question in the entire conference, if you guys would agree. Yeah, for sure. We just the Suns, the variable that we don't, we just don't know how they're gonna be. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell the three of you right now on the pod, you have no excuses with Chris Paul, KD, Booker, <laughs> and Aiden. Come on yeah. now. What do you think the ceiling for the Clippers is? Jay? I'll, I'll say third, third seed, third seed. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 in the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, boys, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant's introductory press conference. And it was actually really high energy. The crowd was cheering almost after like every single comment. And I want to talk about some of the questions that was asked to KD. He was asked to sum up his time in Brooklyn. And after that, the the crowd, I guess, went into like a roaring laughter. And he said, it was a lot of up and ups and downs, but I love the grind. I built family over there. They're always going to be part of my journey. We didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as far as winning championships, but I enjoyed the grind. I love those guys. I get emotional while talking about it because that was spe- a special four years of my career coming off an Achilles injury and they've helped me through a lot. And then he was asked about asked about Kyrie and when he was traded. 
and he had this to say. He said, I was upset we couldn't finish what we started. I thought we had some good momentum. We were finally building the culture we had always wanted. I felt like every game we were building chemistry. I didn't know what was going on with Kyrie and his situation with the organization. I didn't really focus on that. I only focused on what we were doing on the court. It was a blow to our team. It just took away our identity. He was a huge, huge part of what we do. He's a Hall of Fame player, a great, great player that can do everything on the floor, and we relied on that. So without him, we didn't have a clear identity. So that was tough for me to stomach. What do you guys think about KD's comment comments on Kyrie? It seems like he still has, I guess, an affinity for Kyrie, even after all this was said and done. So... Let me ask you guys a few questions. You thought, did you think it was funny when he said we were finally building culture? What kind of culture are we talking about here? Culture <laughs> win. You have James Harden coming in out of shape. Kyrie going to his sister's birthday and telling his teammates that he was coming to, to a game or practice. Is that the culture? Oh, how about yeah. the chemistry where you barely played 30 games together with your trio of Harden? Irving and Durant. Sammy, argue with me here. Because I don't know what this fool was talking about, to be honest, man. I would try to argue with me, but I have or argue with you, but I'd have no idea what the argument on my side would be. Cause maybe their locker room was a lot closer <laughs> than we thought, but on the surface that team just looked like I'm just completely discombobulated at all times. Is that the best way to put it? Like, I have no idea what culture is referring to because it looked like they were always in chaos and clearly Joe Sy did not have much affinity for the product he was seeing. Yep. So, do you guys think, like, what, what percentage do you think KD is actually trying to leave the door open for the Suns to get Kyrie if CP3 were to go? I think it's there, man. He didn't. He didn't talk trash about Kyrie. He had the opportunity to. And with all the rumors that are out there that Kyrie has a potential chance of just not signing with the Mavs, even though they just did that deal, he could sign on to the Suns. Well, there's one big issue there, though. Based on the contracts that they have. He would either have to take the mid-level or they would have to trade Aiden, I think. Because remember, they're they've now got four max guys on that team. And if CP leaves, they're still near the cap. So he might be leaving it open, but they'd still have to work some major kind of gymnastics to to make it work. I do agree that he's leaving the door open. I just don't know how realistic it is in that current setup unless Aiden really wants to leave. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think it'd be absolutely crazy to get rid of Aiden. Like they, oh, they I, have I to agree. hold on to him because he fills in a role that like that isn't there. It's, you know? yeah, it's going to be the same situation where we all. I think I speak on behalf of all of us that the Nets were really good to go even with depth before the Harden trade. I yeah. think if they do trade Aiden, they're going to have the same thing that they had with the Nets, which is three All-Stars and then just a bench where they may not be able to compensate on a good offense or even defense. 
Right, and in addition to that, let, let's throw one other thing out there. Brand new owner. Okay, wants to make his mark on the team. Already did with this trade. Now I get wanting to keep your stars happy, but we just saw what happened with this exact player in a different environment. Thank you. What kind of statement are you sending out if you're saying, hey, I know I saw this total S show in Brooklyn <laughs> for the last few years, but I think it's going to be a great idea to bring the catalyst of that over here when True. I already have my own homegrown two guys here in Aiton and Booker that my team drafted and developed. Yeah. One of them is like the face of that city as much as anybody in Booker. And I'm still saying that I want to bring this this guy I just traded for is like Buddy who completely wrecked the other squad. It's such a bad look on the owner if he does that. So I just can't see it from that perspective either. Because I, I really do think the way that the Warriors made sure that even if it wasn't outwardly said, we always knew this is Curry's team. Even if Durant might have outplayed him at times, like in the finals, he was the finals MVP, obviously. It was always Curry's team. I think Phoenix needs to make damn sure that they make a point of saying this is Booker's team. Even when Katie's on the court in a similar manner. I think that's going to be important and they need to, even if it's subtly, keep that point clear because it's just different when the homegrown guy is the one that represents your team you cannot rely on KD to represent your team because he hasn't shown loyalty to one particular team and I'm not faulting him for that he's doing what's best for himself but Booker's been your guy he was there through the Baron years and so you know like it's not a good look for revisionist history purposes um Bob Myers actually inadvertently said that this is Curry's team when KD was on there during the championship parade. Oh, that's right. If you guys remember that, we're yeah. like, oh yeah, like KD could have like the mid-level. Inadvertently. But, but Curry could have whatever he wants because he's been here from the from the way before. Just that, see, I think that's important though, isn't it? JJ, go ahead. You, like, I just want to add, like you guys hit the nail on the head. The one thing about Durant, and I just want to re-quote of what Junior just said, which is Durant said, I didn't really focus on that. That being Kyrie Irving, he just wanted to focus on basketball, which is fine if you're a role player. Right. You're a leader, bro. Mm -hmm. You got to put your players in check like Kyrie. You know why Chris Paul, even though I've clowned on Chris Paul, I don't like his antics. The one thing that I will always give props to Chris Paul for is his leadership with his squad that rubs people the wrong way like Blake Griffin, but at least he doesn't fear telling his teammates what's up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point, and I think we need to recognize that with KD. On court, he's one of the most talented players we've ever seen. I think he has shown he's not necessarily the leader type. He fits into a culture that's already there, and he'll play within it. He just wants to hoop. He said it himself. And that's fine if you already have the culture, but if you need to set it, he's not the right guy for it. So I think that's why it's important to establish this culture in Phoenix is already set. Whether we like them or not, they have had some on-court success. Two years ago, this team was in the finals. And I think it's gonna be important for them to keep it that way if they wanna keep the success and match the expectations that are coming to them. Absolutely, and you know, only time will tell for that one, but we have to talk about something with the All-Star game. 
And we're not going to talk about the, the dunk contest because <laughs> I don't even know who's in it. <laughs> Mac McClung, that's the only guy I recognize. And like, he's not even, he's not even in the NBA. Um, so we're going to talk about the three-point contest here. This one's a little interesting. We have Dame Lillard, Julius Randle, Halliburton, Woo! Hero, Heald, Herder, Markinen, and Jason Tatum. And I want to ask you guys, who do you think is going to come out on top on this contest? What do you think, JJ? For comedic sake, I hope Julius Randle wins. <laughs> Please. All right. Oh, my God. He's got, like, the slowest release out of all yeah. these guys, too. I hope he wins, though. He'll take it right down to the whistle. Savvy. Call it a hunch. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. You know what? Yeah! What day is it today? Is it Thursday? Thursday. Yes, oh, I'm a, I'm a Blazer fan. I'm a Blazer fan today. Oh, no. I'm going to go with Dame <laughs> Lillard. I'm going with Dame Dollar. Bruh. It's Dame time. Anyway, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Hey, thank you, everybody. Shout out to our boy, John, man. Of course, shout out to John. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Thanks as always for having me. Appreciate it. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rose Zapanta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.